Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. We are talking retirement difference makers on today's Get Ready for the Future show. What are the decisions, the strategies, the plans that can make a difference in your retirement outcome? Today we're talking about your house. Not the one you live in, but your retirement income house. How we build it and why it matters. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And welcome in on this Saturday morning all across Arkansas. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, and to my right is John Shrewsbury, and to his right is Janet Walker. We have an empty hot seat this week. Sometimes we put other advisors in it. I don't know if I should be saying hot seat right now on the radio. but no, anyway. I wouldn't say yeah. no. <laughs> Way too early for that conversation, yes. But it's just three of us today, so we'll have some more things to say than we usually do. We won't have to pass off the, the microphone today. We're glad you're with us and hope you're having a great weekend as we get into September. And I guess officially uh, we are now about into fall, right? I mean, this We're is getting there. This is this is really it doesn't feel like it, right? Or I guess it's starting to feel it's, like it's it. But starting it, to, yeah. it has been severely hot yeah. this week. It, is, it has been an Indian summer, to say the least. So it's the middle of football season. You want to talk about the Razorbacks? Jan- uh, Janet, yeah. usually you and I are traveling <laughs> for business and what have you. I chose last week to travel for pleasure with Scott. Um, okay, I can I can go along with the concept of the, the, taking a fun trip with Scott, but knowing where you went and what your experience was, I don't know that pleasure is still a part of the conversation. The, the, I, I don't know. The actual travel <laughs> to and from the game was fine. Yeah. We had a great time. We stopped and got a Subway sandwich and, you know, and did, you know, just the regular Fayetteville trip. We had a great time. We stopped and got a Subway sandwich. <laughs> well, you know, you, you don't the way back. have... At 9 ex- o'clock on Saturday night, yeah. you don't want to eat You don't have Mexican extraordinarily food, high standards is what you're telling me to, you to have, have to have a good time. You don't have extraordinarily high standards along I-40 between here yeah, okay. and, and Fayetteville. I, I'm on, just trying really. to say, in order to have a good time, it doesn't have to be that big of a deal, but I think what you're telling me is the time in between wasn't extraordinarily no. fun. No. Well, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I made the decision to go with Scott, who does the pregame, and so we get there three Three hours early, actually mm-hmm. four hours About early. Four, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of hung out and went and grabbed some lunch and everything. And so everything was great. And then the game started. Yeah. And then I had to stay for the entire game. That was <laughs> you couldn't leave early. That's four that, hours. I'm sorry. That's just kind of one of my life rules, though. My children know that. They know like we could be the last people in the stands. But I'm like, you know what? I know the game stinks, but our players don't get to leave, so sit your honey down. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, you've never had to experience what we experienced last week. Uh, yeah. We, it was, we, it we, was bad. We talk about debt snowballs for our clients. We had a snowball going on Saturday, and it was <laughs> it was rolling downhill fast. And you were under it? Yes. Avalanche there was, coming? There's, yes. there's so many things about snowballs and hot places and hot seats and things of that nature. I think we need to move on Let's since this money. is not a football show yeah because it's it's a difference maker show see and that's that's we were we we were looking for some analogies we (laughs) We could make right but we were difference makers on the other team yes they they were you can as you said you can have negative difference makers yes had some that as well but all right you're right we'll move on but we are talking about difference (laughs) makers in your retirement and you heard in the open we're going to talk about your house and and right off the bat let me clarify we're not talking about your house you live in we're not talking about uh, getting a reverse mortgage to, to fund your retirement or or draining your IRAs to buy a new house. It's not about how your physical residence plays a role in your retirement, although it can, and we deal with that as well. But as we build our retirement income plans every day for our clients, this is really kind of the analogy we use in how that plan is going to be structured. It's going to be like building a house. And all three of us at this table have done that before. Maybe some of you listening have done that before. So think about that process. Even if you really weren't building your own house, you've seen them go up, right? I mean, people see them go up. And for a long time, John, they don't look like a house. Yeah, there are actually, I guess, 
two houses in the very rudimentary uh, process of being built in our neighborhood. Yes. Uh, one right next door to me and then one just down the street that they've got the pad. Mm-hmm. I think they're ready to go on that. But it is a very laborious, meticulous process that you go through. And it starts before you ever get out there and start clearing the land. You've got to have that blueprint. You've got to yes. have that set of plans that you go to the architect and sit down and and you've been through that process, yeah. and I have too. We used the same architect, as a matter of fact, and we went through all of that. And it took me a little while, but it took you guys like, I don't know, three forevers or something like that. <laughs> it, it did. I mean, part of what took us so long is we, we knew where we wanted to build, but we, we weren't ready to do it yet. So we bought the land. And so it felt like to everybody else, it's taking you a long time to get those house plans. Now, we just weren't ready to do it yet. That was a, a financial decision to delay it a little bit. But even when we did get rolling, I'll never forget, you know, John, you talk about um, your conversation with the builder about the foundation, and I'll let you address that in just a moment. But before we even got ready to start on the foundation, I remember having the conversation with the builder. He said, I'm, I'm going to need you to come out here and look at something. And so we go out and they have sticks and strings. I mean, this is, you know, old school science here. You know, that's all that's out there. And he goes, um, you know anything about this slope on this land? And I said, no, sir, I'm a financial advisor. <laughs> and he said, well, we can work around this, but it wasn't in your plans that the architect put together uh, to address this slope. And he mm-hmm. told me, you know, how many inches difference it was. If you're if you're now looking at the front of the house from left to right, how many inches different it was. And when you look at that land at that point, you you wouldn't really see a slope. But there was one there, and it was going to be a problem if we didn't address it. That's what that whole conversation was about. And his simple little sticks and strings showed me pretty quickly, yep, there's a slope. We're going to need to deal with that. Mm. And and then I had to rely on him to go, okay, now what? What do you do to deal with that? I can really I can really relate to that. I and I'll and I'll share a story. Probably won't have time in this segment of of when I built my house too of of a similar situation. Although we were into construction mode at that point, we, we we were we were going along already, and I had to make a, a a split decision. But I think the point we're trying to make here too, when you talk about the architects and the plans, is that's the dreaming stage. I mean, it truly yeah, is, it is when you're thinking about your home because that's really probably why most people decide to build. They've looked around at the other houses, the houses that are on the market and already established and had an owner, and there's something that they don't like about it, right? Debbie loves to watch these, you know, uh, house hunter TV shows, you know, that they go and they go through three houses and they try to pick one before the end of the show and all that type of thing. And we were sitting there Sunday night watching, we watched two back to back. And in both shows, they passed on all three houses and bought lots to build mm. because mm-hmm. the houses that they looked at yeah. did not fit what their dreams were, did mm. not fit their lifestyle, did not fit the feel that they right. wanted it, or the functionality that they wanted. They passed on all three. Same reason we built. And, and that's the reason that we built. Yeah. We looked at a house just down the street from us and went, eh, not exactly what we need. And went to work building a house, something I said I'd probably never do, you know, and I wasn't sure my marriage was going to survive it, but it did. And we did and we love it. And it's great. Do you remember the reason, though, that you got okay with that? My husband and I had built and we had a good experience with the builder and you went, oh. If you can do that and it's not that bad, mm-hmm. I can do that too. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really think financial planning is that way. If you had not known somebody who had gone through that process, John, you probably would not have built because mm-hmm. you were so just hesitant about the process. But it doesn't have to be that bad. So if you decided to build your house or if you thought about it before, why did you think about wanting to do it? Because it's a personalized dream of yours to have the house you wanted. The same is true in retirement, a personalized plan, and that plan is built on a retirement income house. We're going to lay the foundation for that house and tell you what that means in relation to your retirement plan when we come back. Stick around. More straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money right after this. Life can be so busy, it's hard to even picture retirement. That's why you need somebody you can trust. 
who will paint that picture and help turn dreams into reality. Plan, personalize, and protect your future with the team at GenWealth. Call 877-341-7355 to schedule an appointment. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. We're talking about the midterm elections coming up in November in today's fastest four minutes in investing. There are going to be competitive races all across the country. And there might even be one or two here locally in Arkansas that are competitive. So that balance of power hanging there, and that provides uncertainty for the markets, uh, John, and, and the markets typically don't like uncertainty. So we think in the near term, there could be some increased volatility. But let's talk about long term on the impact of the midterm elections. Yeah, you're going to see some volatility as we head up to the election because there's uncertainty. But once the election is done, there's usually certainty and you you know where what you're dealing with. And traditionally, you know, the markets have actually liked gridlock, Scott, yeah. where you have different parties in occupying the House and the Senate uh, versus the White House. And so if that does happen, then it could be OK for the market. But here's a takeaway that I found really surprising. And our friends at LPL Research uh, kind of dug this out for us. But the S&P 500 has been higher one year after midterm elections than it was on the midterm election day every time that we've had a midterm election since 1946. That's now, astounding. Yeah, so yeah. what that says is that eh, these midterm elections may be a lot of smoke, but not a lot of fire there. Yeah, Could be that that there is some issues that, that come up from that, and that would come in the form of any policy change right. that might happen. But if we have gridlock, if the House and the Senate both go uh, Democrat, and you still have a Republican in the White House, then you have what is traditionally known as gridlock, mm-hmm. and then nothing gets done. Yeah. And the number of House of Representatives seats that historically are lost in a president's first midterm election is around 29. So there is historical evidence to suggest that it's possible the Democrats could take control. But to your point about gridlock, if you look at historically, a Democratic president and Republican controlled Congress has been the best combination for the S&P 500, followed closely by a Democratic president and a split Congress. Wow. So the gridlock thing is for real in terms of historical record. Now, moving forward, what could truly impact your investments and the markets and the economy is out of whoever wins in that midterm election, what are they going to do? Yeah, policy changes. And and let's talk about a few things that could be on the table coming out of the midterm election. Number one is taxes. Of course, we had the tax cut early in President Trump's tenure, and there could be an effort to roll that back if Democrats get in power. There could be, Scott, an effort to increase the the cuts in taxes or, or do more tax cuts if the Republicans stay in power. Infrastructure. That is something that President Trump talked about doing, and we thought that maybe there could be some commonality there with the Democrats, but yeah. uh, th- that whole relationship is sour, so yeah. I don't see that happening. And we could actually make some tax cuts to fund some infrastructure things if indeed the Democrats get into power. Another one, Scott, is health care. Lots and lots of questions about health care with the changes that have been wrought with the Obamacare uh, matters that, that Trump has taken on and that type of thing. Where that goes is definitely on the table when it comes to the election. And you take a look at defense and energy. Those mm-hmm. are also two areas that we're going to be watching as we head toward this November election. So quick takeaways, near-term volatility as we get closer to November would not surprise us. Right. But long-term, historically speaking, the S&P 500 does very well post-midterm election, but we'll have to watch based on the results what kind of policy changes might be in play. Can't guarantee it, but since 1946, the S&P 500 has been higher one year after each midterm election. That is the fastest four minutes in investing for this week. The Get Ready for the Future show continues next. Stay in touch with the Get Ready for the Future show during the week. Search Facebook for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors or follow us on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. More straight talk about money after this break. 
we've got Gen Wealth Academy workshops happening in your area. To find out more, visit our website at www.getreadyforthefuture.com slash events. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. So if you were with us on the Get Ready for the Future show last Saturday, you may have heard me say it's your last chance to sign up for our three big risk Gen Wealth Academy workshop in Conway. Well, turns out it's not too late because we actually had to push back the date. It's actually coming this Tuesday, September 25th at 630 at Mike's Place in Conway. Here's why we had to push it back. They had a little thing called a fair parade downtown Conway. Parking. Parking was going to be an issue. <laughs> if you're listening in the Conway area and you went to that, you probably experienced that. I didn't. I think Chad did. I think Chad, I haven't talked to him since he went, but Chad Roller of our staff, I think he was going to the fair parade. So we decided that it was going to be a really a major ordeal to get parking anywhere close to Mike's place during the tail end of the parade. So we decided to push that back seven days. So if you didn't, if it didn't work for your schedule last Tuesday, go back to our website, getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events and register for the three big risks coming up this Tuesday, September 25th at Mike's place. The three big risks we're talking about are the risk you'll face, everybody will face in retirement and the possible solutions to building a plan to take on those risks head on. And then we do want to tell you about our next one past that. We have a social security workshop coming up October 16th at 630 at the Embassy Suites in Hot Springs. So for our Hot Springs listeners, put that on your calendar. Go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com and register for that. Uh, We will have a, a big room for that, we can tell you because the social security workshops are always well attended. And we have a special presentation uh, from a first-time speaker that we brought in as well. Absolutely. Stephanie Smith uh, recently retired from the Hot Springs office of the Social Security Administration. And she has partnered with GenWealth to uh, basically bring you her experience and her knowledge about the Social Security system, both in workshops and in cases, Janet, where we are uh, dealing with maybe a complex Social Security situation. You're right, John. She, I, I just got to tell you, I'm so excited about having her on the team. She sat with me on an appointment recently, and it was the first time I'd had the opportunity to do that with Stephanie. And I got to sit back for a few minutes and just observe her at work. And, you know, we knew that it was going to be a good situation for our clients to have the exposure to a Social Security person. I mean, 27 years of experience, my goodness, you know, and we knew it was going to be good for our clients because they they eye roll at us when we tell them, hey, you're going to have to go down to the Social Security Administration. They're like, oh, my gosh, you know, because they just don't want to deal with going into the offices, especially if they're in Little Rock. You just you have to wait longer. They want to do everything by phone and people want to see somebody face to face. And so we had now the opportunity for her to sit in the client meeting across the table from the client and go, hey, in your situation, and just walk through it. And if you really need to, you can do everything online with her sitting right there and have her coach you through it. I am so stinking excited about this because I I really just think this is the next level of service that I don't know any other advisors in the state, frankly, even in the country who are doing this. There may be some, but I don't know of anybody else who's doing this. And we're doing it because we believe that education is important. You fully need to understand Social Security. It is a huge factor in your retirement income. So we're excited about Stephanie being part of the team. And of course, that's coming up October 16th at 630 Embassy Suites in Hot Springs. So folks in Garland County and the surrounding area. Let's pack that place out because there is tons of great information that we'll be passing along to you about Social Security from not just a financial advisor, but from a Social Security uh, former employee and an expert in that area. She she has 27 years experience. I don't know. That's pretty much the horse's mouth, Scott. Yeah. And and so if you have any questions about Social Security, if you're coming up on retirement and you have anything you're thinking about, and and, and I'm going to venture a guess to say you do because it's a complicated issue and you want to get it right, Make sure you attend that. GetReadyForTheFuture.com is how you sign up. I will say, too, if you for some reason don't want to do it online, you can call our office number, 501-653-7355, and somebody can get you signed up. Uh, But make sure that you come to this if you have any Social Security questions at all. If you've been thinking about this, that you're on the cusp of retirement, it's a great opportunity to do that. 
And if you want to know about those three big risks, don't forget about this Tuesday at Mike's Place as well. You can sign up at the same place, our website, or that phone number we just gave you. So we're talking about building your retirement income house and how the house building in your retirement plan can be a difference maker in your retirement. And we're going to lay the foundation in this segment and talk about what that means when it comes to your retirement income plan. But I wanted to share the story about my foundation when I built my house in 2006. So we're going up. It's hard to believe we actually had to go into remodel mode this summer. I mean, that's how old my house is getting, right? We had, had to replace some things. 12 years is a long time. We've enjoyed every minute in that house. You mentioned your conversation with John, Janet, about how you had had a good experience with your builder. Yeah. I was my builder. <laughs> how was your experience? Yes. So <laughs> I clearly did not have a lot of experience building homes. But a similar reason that I decided to do it, as your story, there was a uh, a guy who was on uh, Channel Four at the time, K A R K, and he was the he was the weather morning weather guy, a meteorologist, not weather guy, meteorologist, right? <laughs> and he was building his own. He was contracting his own house, and he lived near me, and we ran into each other at the grocery store. And I was interviewing builders at the time, and I said, he said, well, why don't you just do it yourself? You don't have to have a contractor's license if you're building a home for your for your own residence. And I said, man, I don't know enough about that. And he said, well, I did it. I did it. And I start looking at this guy, and he's a meteorologist. He's a TV guy. <laughs> I know he can't know any more than me. And I think, well, okay. So I began to think about it. And what I did was is I had people around me who knew what they were doing. I had a, a really good friend who was an electrician, and he basically wired homes, new construction homes. So he started spoon-feeding me the guys he would recommend to do the work. Yeah. Because really, at the end of the day, the builder is just basically the traffic cop. He's getting people scheduled. He's getting people over there. Now, he probably knows a lot more about building than yeah. I do. Yeah. But to the foundation part of this story, my dad was in concrete construction all of his life, and he came over to help me with that part. And we did a slab foundation, and then we had concrete blocks, and he begins to fill. He begins to help me get the uh, concrete uh, pump trucks out to fill the concrete blocks. And he put more in than the plans called for. And I told him, I said, Dad, this is going to cost us a lot of, of extra money by putting this extra concrete in. And he said, son, you don't understand. If we don't get this right, nothing else matters. That's right. And that line has stuck with me through that house building process that we we fortified our foundation maybe above and beyond what the plans called for. And as I transitioned into the retirement income foundation, the foundation of your retirement income house, that line still applies. If you don't get the foundation right, John, nothing else matters. You're absolutely right. You know, there's a story about building a foundation and you can be just maybe a half inch off in your measurements. And that has this ripple effect oh, yeah. all the way through the house. And so by the time you get to the roof, it's very obvious that it's off because it amplifies right. as you go up. And yes. so you're looking at the house and you're going, that's jacked up. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a problem. And so I, I think that, that oftentimes when we talk about a, a retirement foundation and everything, people kind of get that look on their face of, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about all this? And we go, no, no. Let's talk about the foundation. Yeah. Because the foundation is what pays the bills. If you can't pay the electric bill, if you're not, you know, if your ability to pay your monthly bills is impaired in any way, sh way shape, form, or fashion, you can't enjoy retirement. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I'm going to go back to the house thing for just a moment. Um, in our neighborhood, everybody in the neighborhood talks about the cracks that are in their house. And it's because of the settling of those homes. And it, that's just, that, frankly, it's part of being in Saline County, period. But it's, it's really strong in our, uh, in our neighborhood. Ours, our house only has two cracks and they are very, very minor. Like every house, every other house in the neighborhood is far worse. But the reason is we actually got some, some good advice, John, from a mutual friend of ours, um, who said, Hey, before they do everything else, you need to put slate down. And so we did that, and that has made all the difference. It was really the foundation to the foundation, and mm -hmm. it made all the difference in now where we are years later. So we've got to think about financially, what is your foundation? What needs to be put into place for you financially so that you don't have cracks in it later on, you know, as you're getting ready for retirement? And we call that your required income. 
there's going to be a number that is going to be your retirement income foundation. And it's the required income because it has to be met on a monthly basis. There's money that has to come in at a certain level that has to go out at the same level. And we have to make those numbers match. And we do it by analyzing your guaranteed income sources. And Scott, I think where somebody who is just listening to this could make a major mistake, and this is the half inch thing, is you think about your income in terms of net income, meaning yeah. spendable dollars. Right. How much am I going to spend in retirement? But unless you have a huge amount of Roth IRA money, there's, there's going to be some tax due on your retirement income, right. especially if it's traditional 401k IRA money. And so you have to gross that up. You have to increase the amount of income that goes to that foundation in order to have the net income that you need for retirement. You know, John, speaking to the, the point about taxes and retirement income, I'm amazed at how many people don't know that Social Security is taxable. I can't tell you how many times I've had people tell me, well, now, wait a minute. I'm the one that put the money in there, so it shouldn't be taxable to me. Well, 50 to 85% of that money is taxable when you receive it. So, yeah, unless you have a small, very small, yes. very small income, and then you can get by. We just had a, a client in the other day that they're not paying taxes at all because yeah. they have a very small income. But for most mo- people, yeah, for most people, either 50% of your Social Security or 85% of your Social Security is taxable. Now, the other way to look at that is 50% of it is tax free or 15% of it is tax-free, depending on where you're at. Right. That's still a good deal, uh, as opposed to 100% of it being taxable. But absent, so then you, your other income sources, absent of the uh, Roth IRA money, if it's investments, you're pulling money out of your 401k that has not been taxed yet, then that's going to be fully taxable, taxable at ordinary income tax rates. And then don't forget, if you have a pension, that's likely going to be taxed as well. And figuring all this out is a major deal. And that's part of what we do through the uh, Income for Life model and the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process as we look at taxable versus net income yes. and how you're going to actually meet those bills with net income so you don't get this surprise later that, oh, gee, I can't pay the electric bill because I had to pay taxes on the money that I've got coming in. That could be a real problem. So laying your foundation is an analysis of your required income need versus your required or your guaranteed income sources. What if you have a gap? We'll talk about it next. You're listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. More where that came from after the break. This ain't your mama's financial advice. Turn it up because we're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. Picking up where we were on the other side of the break, talking about your gap, if you have one. We're building a retirement income house and how that can be a retirement difference maker for you. That foundation of your retirement, retirement income house is your required income, the expenses that have to be met on a monthly basis in your retirement. And are your guaranteed income sources going to be enough to meet that need? Analyzing a total of social security, maybe there's a pension in play. And if there is a gap, then we have to address how to fill that. I think about, we were talking about football earlier. You hear coaches talk about the A gap, John, the C gap. And basically what that's saying is, is if everybody has a hat on a hat, if the offensive line is blocking who they're supposed to block. It's the linebacker's responsibility to fill the gap because that's where the running lane is. Well, if you have a required income gap, you don't want a leak there. You don't want the running back to be able to shoot the gap and score on you. You have to be able to fill it, and it has to be filled with predictable, dependable monthly income. Absolutely, Scott. And when you think about this, you you look at uh, you know, you have to do a little bit of budgeting and that may yes. be something that is a foreign concept. Scott, we just had a client come in last week and we sent him a budget and, and he said, mm-hmm. this was a great exercise for us to go through because mm-hmm. what he's trying to do is he's trying to nail down exactly how much money he needs to have every month coming in, come what may to pay his expenses and to ba- basically sit down and take account of that. 
is the proper process. And then to figure out, okay, how much of this is uh, of my resources are going to be taxable and what do I need to actually generate in gross dollars, pay the IRS and come out with the exact amount of money that I need to pay my bills every month. That is the foundational income, part one of two of the income streams that we look at in the ready to retire process at GenWealth is building that foundation. Now, let's talk about it in real dollar terms, Janet. Let's say that that I have a $5,000 need per month to pay my bills, but I only have $3,500 a month in social security and pension benefits, regular, predictable, dependable income sources. Uh, my two social security benefits for, for my wife and I, and maybe a small pension benefit. So I've got a $1,500 a month gap. What do I do? Well, as you've said, $5,000 has to come into your household every single month. So since there's never going to be a time when it's okay for you to not have that, then just like Social Security, you have to have another guaranteed income source because people think that 2008 was an anomaly. It absolutely was not. You know, the details were different, but we're going to have another significant downturn in the market and there's going to be one during your retirement. So if you need $5,000 and you only know that you have 3500 on a guaranteed basis, you have to, as they would say in Great Britain, mind the gap, right? Mm-hmm. You have to take care of that and be sure that you're, you're bridging that gap to be sure that you have that income. So the way, the only way really that you can do that is through a product called an annuity an annuity, if I can get that out right. Um, there are different types of annuities. There are, there are some that would be a better fit, some that it would not be such a great fit. It is all in the details of what do you need to have happen. Are you going to need to have an increase to that income over the years? That's important to consider. Um, lots of considerations for you and also how you're funding it, whether it's with non-qualified money or qualified money. There are different ways to do this. So the point is, though, it's going to provide you with a guaranteed income stream that you cannot outlive. That's how you want this to be structured because just like Social Security, that's a guaranteed income stream. You cannot outlive it. It's going to be here as long as you're still breathing. If you need $5,000, you need to to take care of that gap between your Social Security and that $5,000 amount by getting it on a guaranteed basis. So just to summarize that, if there is a required income gap, then we're going to take a look at your portfolio and allocate a portion of that to something that is going to give you that guaranteed income enough to fill the gap so that you don't have to worry about paying your expenses in retirement. And just to be clear, if there's no gap, then yeah, exactly. we move on. Yep. Uh, so know. let's say somebody has those two Social Security checks, $3,500, and they have a pension that's maybe a couple of thousand dollars. Now they're above that $5,000 amount that they said they have to have, and they're at that point on a guaranteed basis. So they know that that money is always going to be there. That's fine. They don't need an annuity to bridge that gap. So... Let's move on to the next step of our retirement income house. We've laid the foundation. Doesn't look much like a house, though. It's very basic. Your existence is taken care of in retirement. But now we're going to build what looks like the house, the walls of the house, the framing, the rooms are going to take shape. This part of your retirement income house is what we call desired income. Your required income need is met. Now we're talking about what do you want to do in retirement? What is your lifestyle look like in retirement and building those walls is a very critical part of the process. It absolutely is. And, and you know, the desired income amount is, is very different for different people. Yes. Let's go back to a person who says, you know, they have to have in required income, $5,000. They might have desired income of $500 a month. They might have desired income of $3,000 a month. Doesn't matter, but we're talking about what is above and beyond what they have to have to meet their expenses. And, uh, we, we, like to compare that to, as you were saying, Scott, putting the walls up on the on the house. And we learned a little bit about this at GenWealth earlier this year. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. This was this was an interesting experience. I was sitting uh, with Austin Evans, one of our other advisors, and doing some paperwork and everything. And we're going through this process. It's early in the morning. Not very many people are even in the building yet. And we heard what I swear to you sounded like an explosion. It was not. 
we uh, found out pretty quickly that there was a car that had uh, attempted to basically drive through the window and the wall that was around the window. And they, uh, they had jumped the curb yes, and, and uh, this, the, the foot missed the, the brake pedal and got on the accelerator. Sweet little old lady thought she was pushing the brake harder and she was pushing the accelerator harder. It happens. But so she came into the side of the building in the room where Austin and I were. And of course, the fire department comes out to do a structural analysis to to determine whether we can even stay in the building or not. And so they go up into the attic and they look at everything up there and they're looking at the wall in that room. And and the fireman looked at me and he said... uh, he said, you know, you, you got something here that, that absolutely saved the building and may have saved some lives. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, this building was built with two by sixes and not two by fours. Mm. If it had been built with two by fours, that car would have been in the room with you. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was done with two by sixes. And there are things that we do in preparing for your desired income to also provide some protection that a lot of people just don't think about. And if you think about that, that is a two inch difference. It is, but and it's 50% more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And I point that out because whoever is working with you in your retirement, maybe it's you, maybe it's another financial advisor. If they don't know about the two inch difference, yeah. what's going to happen is you're going to get out coached because I guarantee you that the forces against you in retirement are not going to care. They're, yeah. they're just going to go, you know what? We're going to continue to have prices go up. We're going to continue to have volatile markets. We're going to continue uh, to have people live longer and put stress on your on your portfolio. Now I'm speaking like that there that's a real person, but those are real threats. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you after this happened and it kind of soaked in with me, I went and talked to our landlord who was also in charge of building the building where we are. Um, he doesn't just own it now. He owned it from the beginning and it was his decision to use two by sixes. And I, just, and I walked over and told him the deal and, and, and I thanked him for doing that. And he said, he said, well, honey, that's just the right thing to do. And, and like, it was never a consideration on their part to use two by fours, but it was more expensive for them to do two by sixes. It, it was, yeah, sure. it was a difficult, it's not a no brainer decision. You know, they had to think about that and, and make the decision that it was the right thing to do. So guys, let's draw the parallel. Now, what do we do that's different in this desired income planning? Well, the first thing is we use what I call ready to retire investment recommendations. Uh, the investment recommendations that we make are in line with the income for life model. And the income for life model is built for distribution of retirement income. It's not built for growth. It's not built to, to, you know, accumulate money. It's built to distribute money. And so it is a time segmented process. And I know that doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but just think about assigning a bucket of dollars to a particular time period that you're going to live. Maybe in most cases, it's five years. So if we know how much desired income that you need during that five-year period of time, we can do the math and put that money there and have it assigned at a growth rate that is conducive with the time that you're going to need it. Of course, if you're going to need that money very soon, then you've got to be very conservative with it. If you're not going need a bucket of money until 15 or 20 years down the road, then you can be more aggressive with your investments, maybe into equities or something like that. But Scott, we protect that even that desired income, we protect it on the front end to make sure that it's going to be there for them in retirement. Well, I become quite fond of saying, you know, you have the required income need that needs to be guaranteed. The desired income though needs to be consistent because I think that's what is missing in a lot of retirement plans is. is depending on what happens to your investments in the market, that's how you're going to make your decision on how much you can take out. And this plan is built to have it be consistent on a monthly basis, but also to give you raises over time because nobody wants to live what could be a 30-year retirement without getting a raise. So when you think about uh, like a 2008, for example, and let's go back to the two by fours and two by sixes, there was damage done when that car hit the building. There's Mm -hmm. no denying that, but it was way less damage than what it would have been had we just had two by fours in the building. So the concept is true on the income for life model and and the ready to retire process that we use here at GenWealth that 
that by segmenting those assets, yes, you're going to see the impact of a 2008, but you're going to see it in that long-term money, not in your short-term immediate money. And the long-term has time to repair. Just like, just like we had time, you know, we just moved everybody out of that office and said, okay, you can go get, you know, warm and cozy in another office here somewhere and work for a while while we let this one get fixed. Somebody's going to come and repair that. Give it time. It'll be done and we can move back in. The same thing happens when you give it time long term, those investments are going to heal. So let me ask you, as you listen to this today, are you interested in learning more about the ready to retire process from GenWealth? Well, if you are, I want to give you a couple of options. First, you can make your first appointment with an advisor by calling 501-653-7355, 501-653-7355. And we have offices in Hot Springs, El Dorado, Bryant, Little Rock, and Shreveport. Or you can make plans to attend the three big risks workshop coming up at Mike's Place next Tuesday at 6.30 in Conway if you're listening in that area because that's what we're going to talk about. The three big risks and how to build a plan and that is the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process. We're back in a moment to wrap it up. The road to financial independence isn't easy, but it starts here. Back with more financial wisdom from the Gen Wealth team after the break. You're listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. questions we've got answers email info at get ready for the future.com with your name location and question to get a response on the air from the gen wealth team now back to the get ready for the future show talking about building a house you know, on today's get ready for the future show and how that relates to the way we build retirement income plans every day for our clients here at gen wealth and if you're just tuning in or if you caught us in the middle of our show today you can always go back and check out the entire broadcast by uh, following us and getting the podcast either on itunes or stitcher this and other Get Ready for the Future show programs will be up there. So there's always a way to go back in case you miss something because we know we do tend to go pretty fast. You, know, you wouldn't think 12, 13-minute segments would would be going by really fast, but they do. They, yes, they, they do. They do go by very fast. But we're talking about building a retirement income house. That's how the retirement income plan at Gen Wealth is built, part of our ready-to-retire process. Just a quick recap, a required income is the foundation. That's what you have to have to meet your monthly expenses in retirement, and that has to be uh, guaranteed. It needs to be predictable. It needs to be dependable. And then building the other part of your total income is the desired income. And I've said this before, but some people want to go to Paris, Arkansas. Some people want to go to Paris, France. So that desired income, what you want to do in retirement, it varies greatly. It is unique to you. So now we've got that total income number, but we don't have a roof on our house, right? We've got the foundation laid with required income. We've got your walls and your rooms built. The framing is done, but it could still rain on that house. And that would be a problem, right? We've oh, got yeah. to put a, a roof on the house. We've got to have an attic in the house, attic space in the house. Let's talk about now what those are, what those represent in the house analogy. Well, uh, you know, let's let's step aside from the protecting the house with the roof. Let's talk about the attic for just a second. I want you to think about when when mom and dad pass away, when the last one passes yeah. away, what is the classic scene that plays out in your mind? It's all the family members yeah. gathering up all the stuff out of their house and, and going through everything, yeah. right? Yeah, who wants the dishes? <clears throat> right. Yeah. And eventually they're going to get up to the attic. Yes. And up in the attic is where they put all the stuff that they think the kids are going to want, but they don't really need it on a day-to-day basis, right? right? So that is the legacy. That is, you know, as far as physical things are concerned in a lot of families, that's where the legacy items get to. And so you've got to protect your legacy. You've got to maybe even increase your legacy. And that's where we're going when we talk about the attic or the roof is that you've got really two functions here. One is protecting and one is increasing your legacy. Yeah. And there are all different reasons that people have and all different amounts that they want to leave behind. But it is important to discuss that as you build that retirement income house. And there's another purpose of it that, that it serves as well, because there's obviously in a planning process going to be an end date, right? Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to 
make an assumption about when your life is going to end. There's no way that is likely to be accurate, but it has to be built on some statistical reasoning. And we usually plan, unless there's an extenuating health circumstance involved one way or the other, to age 90. So if you think about we're planning a retirement income plan for you to live to age 90. Well, what if you live to age 91? Well, the way we put together the plan, there's still money there, and and it is not intended to make the next generation wealthy. It is intended to be there because we don't know how long you're going to be here. Mm-hmm. But if it, it if you're gone, okay, then it does go to your heirs. But if you're still here, it's there to provide for you. I think about the guy that comes in and says, I want the last check that I write to, to bounce. bounce. <laughs> and I will say to him, well, if you can tell me when that last yeah. day is, then yeah. we'll figure that out. That's not not a problem, but we don't know. And, and really some of the hardest conversations that we have from time to time are those conversations where people come in and say to us, oh, well, I'm probably not going to live that long. And I have to look at them yeah. and say, but we have to plan as if you will. Because we don't know. Because it's malpractice to do anything else. Yeah. It really is. Because if you do not think that that people are living longer today than maybe 15 or 20 years ago even, mm-hmm. just go back and look at history. Just go back and look at at, at, at the numbers. The statistics well, bear that out. I've talked about my grandfather in this uh, conversation several times that when he turned 79, he was sad almost to the point of being depressed, which was really not like him at all. And finally, he told me the deal. He said, honey, my my daddy died when he was 79, and I figure I just had my last birthday. Mm. Well, he was here and healthy for another nine years, and I'm so glad that his financial advisor didn't go with his thought that he would die at 79. You know, mm-hmm. he still had funds to take care of himself and to do it well at the, throughout his entire lifetime. And that legacy component can also be uh, leaving behind a certain amount to fund scholarships or be charitable in, in your passing. I've, I've had a, a client earlier this year that that was very important to her. She didn't have any kids. She didn't have right. a spouse. So she wanted to fund scholarships with, with some of the money. So we built the plan to allow that to be uh, in the attic, so to speak, of the requ- of the retirement income house. Sometimes it's a ministry at your church. Yeah. It can be whatever you want it to be. And one of the things, though, guys, we, that we've never really talked about in this, uh, John, you were talking about what uh, TV shows Debbie likes to watch. Um, sometimes my, my mom will watch, I don't even know what the name of it is, but where people bring in their uh, their heirlooms, so to speak. You know, oh, yeah. maybe it's junk that they bought at a garage sale, whatever. They're getting it appraised. I can't remember the name and, of that show. you know, sometimes it's worth eight bucks and sometimes yes. it's worth $80,000. And, and they had no idea. And so one of the things that I think is very important when we begin to talk about that legacy, you're going to leave things behind. You're going to leave something to the next generation in most cases. I think it's important for your children to know the value of what you leave behind. And I'm not talking about the actual physical stuff like they do on that show, but do your kids know how to handle money? Because if you think about it, if you check out earlier than planned, there's probably a large amount of money that they're going to come across Mm. early in life. So what does that look like for them? And have you taught them what to do with that? And if you haven't, you might want to consider introducing them to a financial advisor. And Janet, you're talking about really a knowledge gap about money. And I want to talk about that for just a second, because we're going to try to address a knowledge gap. I think education is the key to, to really putting us all on a better track. And if we were educating people about money, like we're educating people about Facebook and and Twitter right. and, and having that exposure like that, then we would actually be much more healthy from a financial standpoint. That's right. Gen Wealth is trying to attack this with what I would call financial literacy programs, but basically they are education uh, programs that we are offering to employers at the employer's place of business. We will come in, spend an hour of your employee's time and teach them about money and then offer them the opportunity to work with a financial advisor if they so choose. Now, the employer may say off the top of their head, well, I don't want to spend an hour of my time with all my employees in some meeting. 
Well, I will tell you that your employees are spending that time dealing with the problems of their personal finance as opposed to understanding solutions of their personal finance. So if you are an employer, if you're an HR person, if you're a business owner and you would like to give your employees a no cost to you and no cost to them financial education, Pick up the phone and call GenWealth, 501-653-7355, or shoot us an email at info, info, at getreadyforthefuture.com, and we can help you to fill that education gap. And we've seen, John, studies that show it can increase worker productivity if they have their financial house in order. So there is a benefit. There's no question to the company uh, for doing that. So as we finish up, we have just a couple of minutes left. We've put the uh, foundation down. We've built the the, the uh, rooms of the house. We have put the attic in place. Let's talk about what that roof is. Because as I remember at the beginning of our broadcast, we talked about all three of us building our, reti- our, our dream homes when we put those plans together. There was a reason we wanted to build a house. But for much of human history, what was a house? It was just shelter. Yeah. It's protection from the elements. So let's talk about what needs to be in your retirement income house. What the roof represents is protection from what could go wrong in retirement. Well, there are a couple of really critical things. One is you have to address the health care issues and you need to be educated on the options that you have for covering those long term care expenses. At GenWealth, we walk through that process with you. We make it very easy to understand. If you want to leave a legacy, one of the most efficient ways to leave a legacy is through life insurance because you are literally spending dollars to leave hundreds of thousands of dollars to someone else. Now, that may or may not be your desire, but if you want to do that, then that is a vehicle that you can you can plan for. And and that's a non-taxable amount of money that would go to your heirs. Absolutely. And then the last thing that I'll, I'll spend some time on is that you want to be sure that whatever you leave, if it is you know, just a few hundred dollars, or if it's a few million dollars, you want to be sure that it passes properly to the people that you intend it to pass through and that it doesn't get pillaged by uh, probate expenses and things of that nature. And right now, estate taxes are really not a problem for the vast majority of our Kansans. So we're not even going to talk about that, but making it easy on the family when you do leave that legacy is part of estate planning. So we're not attorneys, so we obviously don't actually do that in-house. However, we, we know people and can connect you with them. And we've seen it enough from the financial advisor side to be able to have that basic conversation to put it in English before you go and meet with an attorney to say, here's what you just need to ask about. Here's what you need to understand before you walk in. Because again, it's a topic about which people are not educated when they go through school. We got friends. That's right. We We got friends. We we can connect you with. We know people. Yeah, we know people. And (laughs) we can connect you with our people that know all about this and can help you. Of course, you get to make the decision whether you work with them or not. We don't have any financial gain from working with them, but from you working with them. But obviously, it is something that does need to be addressed as part of that overall house of financial security. Part of our ready to retire process at GenWealth. To learn more, 501-653-7355. 501-653-7355 to connect with a GenWealth advisor. We're out of time for this week's show. We thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again next week. The GenWealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of GenWealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. See you.